0: Today, on the USA 10cast, we look into our hypothetical crystal balls and tell you everything that's going to happen in 2012. How will the United States fare in qualifying? The Olympics? Who's the best American soccer player right now? And will that change in the new year? All that and more next on the USA 10cast. Welcome into the USA 10cast, the first edition of 2012. And with that in mind, we're going to all look into our crystal balls and give you the predictions and tell you exactly what's going to happen in American soccer this upcoming year. I'm John Arnold, joined today by Anthony Menino in Texas. How's it going down there, Anthony? Uh, it's going great.
1: Weather's actually
0: not too hot right now, surprisingly. And Brent Latham down in Guatemala? Is it a little hotter down there?
2: I won't give you no weather update. Everything's fine. Let's get to the soccer.
0: Sounds good. So we are looking into our crystal balls. A... Uh, I don't think any of us actually have them, but here's some predictions. Uh, Anthony, you want to you start us off, and then Brent and I will kind of give feedback and tell you if your idea is awesome or terrible. Well, I
1: actually did have a crystal ball, but uh, after yesterday, I threw it and broke it because I thought Omar Gonzalez was just going to have a, a, a year, a big year, and I thought he would eventually move to uh, Nuremberg, but obviously that's not going to happen with this torn ACL. <laughs> But I'm going to go out with something a little bit more surprising, something that might uh, most people wouldn't think of. And, you know, the the troubling position for the U.S. has always been left back. And, you know, everyone's talking about maybe Timothy Chandler there. Um, but everyone's forgot about someone, and it's Eric Lehigh. And I think he's going to come back after uh, recovering from his hip injury, I think in this January uh time frame and I think he's going to come back this hopefully this summer and during the next US friendlies and win that that spot back cuz g- during the Gold Cup I mean he controlled that position he played well at left back and you know what I I really liked him and it, it it's was a sad thing for him that after having a great Gold Cup he he uh injured his hip but I think when he comes back uh
0: the left back spot will be his yeah, I think that's a good prediction. I think he can get in the Villa squad and uh, give the USMT uh, a shot, maybe. I don't know. This summer might be a little early, but okay. Brent?
2: Yeah, I think one of these days, and probably sooner rather than later, Timmy Chandler is going to be playing right back for the U.S. That's his natural position. He seems to be much more comfortable there. Um, certainly, there's been a, a, a an insistence on Klinsman's part that he's going to be playing left back going forward, but I, I just think that he's much higher quality on the right-hand side, and that's really where he should end up for the U.S., uh, probably sooner rather than later.
1: Yeah, I agree, and uh, Toronto's clock is ticking a little bit. He's getting a little bit older, so once, once he uh, leaves and that right-back spot is
0: no longer his, you've got to see Chandler moving over there. All right, Brent, can you look into the future for us and tell us what's going to happen this year?
2: Yeah, I think, I mean, I'm just looking at a general trend. I'll give you a trend to start out. We can talk about some some particular things later. I, I think 2012 is going to be the year that sort of U.S. soccer fans have been waiting for for a long time. We've got qualifiers coming up the second half of the year, and I think the Klinsman strategy to build depth in the national team, build too too deep depth everywhere with guys that are in form and playing, is really going to come to fruition around the second half of the year. And I think that you'll be able to tell by the way that the U.S. rolls through It's semi-final qualifying group that really the team has come of age, It's become a dominant power uh, in the region. And I think that, um, you know, probably no more of these struggles facing mediocre teams, uh, middle-of-the-road teams going forward. I think the U.S. is really going to separate itself from the pack and and get back shoulder-to-shoulder face-to-face with Mexico in, in the second half of this year.
0: That that actually directly contradicts my first prediction, so I'll go ahead and give it, that the USMT is going to lose at least one away leg of a World Cup qualifier that it really shouldn't. So you're saying you think those days might be over?
2: Yeah, I, I think it's about time with the type of depth and type of quality that the U.S. has – that they shouldn 't be losing to teams like for example, Guatemala, which will be one of its bigger road tests, mm-hmm. um, Jamaica will be the other one, of course, in the group in the group phase i don 't think that either of those teams has the quality to deal with the u s in in past years the u s had quality one team deep, and injuries and different scenarios, out of form club players could throw a wrench in the works. This time around, the U.S. is going to have depth really too deep in terms of players playing in top leagues in Europe. And that kind of quality simply has to be too good for a team like Guatemala that doesn't have more than two or three players even playing outside the country. Or a team like even Jamaica that's really got its its best players in MLS and the rest of them playing locally. I think the U.S. just has to be able to outclass those teams at this point.
1: Yeah, John, I'm I'm going to have to disagree with you uh, and go with Brent here and and I think uh in games when they play Antigua and Guatemala and qualifying, I I see him winning 3 nothing 4 nothing. I mean, the way Altador has played uh this year, he's starting to score, which is nice to see. He's gaining confidence. Dempsey has always been amazing. Bradley's playing well in Italy, and I just think there's too many American players now playing abroad and playing well for them not to roll through these teams and the way Klinsmann wants them to play. We saw a little uh, a little bit of that
0: in the Slovenia game and hopefully that that carries over. All right, Anthony, go ahead and look into your crystal ball again and give us your next prediction.
1: Uh, I'm going to go uh, uh this one's a little bit surprising and I think sometime over the summer and maybe uh, uh second half of the year uh in fall qualifying, hopefully US has kind of wrapped it up a little bit, but I think we're going to see two Premier League uh, U.S. center backs playing in a game. I think it's either going to be George John, Zach Whitebread, or Tim Ream. I think we're going to see two of them. I think hopefully they'll be playing in the Premier League by then and um, starting for the U.S. at some point.
0: Thoughts, Brent?
2: Yeah, well, that sounds about right for me. I It's even got to the point where you can be playing overseas in a, in a good league and even seeing some time at this point, and you still don't necessarily get a call for the national team, I mean, the, the depth of the pool is really outstanding at this point. It's almost a sad story for, for Bob Bradley that struggled for years with some bad luck and mm-hmm. sort of as soon as he sees the door is really when things are, are coming together in terms of the senior team, not least because of all these new German-Americans that have been added to the pool. But um, I, I think that that for sure you could see a scenario where there are two, two, two center backs in the Premier League. I, mean, I was just commenting to my colleagues this morning, at ESPN, how suddenly, and this changed a little, of course, with Omar Gonzalez setback, but suddenly the center back pool looks deep, whereas it's been a sort of a problem area going all the way back to before the, the last World Cup. But now you're talking about you've got Whitebread, who, if he manages to stay healthy, has put on some real impressive performances for a, a pretty good Premier League team. You've got Tim Ream hopefully improving his game over the next year or two in the Premier League. You've got Gonzalez pr- presumably coming back from an injury. And these are all guys that haven't even participated in the pool. So, hmm. you know, besides that, you've got Goodson, you've got Onyewu, and, and you've got still Bocanegra playing pretty well, yeah. not to mention Orozco. So, uh, well, so really it really looks and, like a and, pretty deep pool.
1: And Cameron, if you think about Jeff Cameron has looked, uh, played well for uh, Houston playing center back, and it looks like he might not even see time. Yeah, you, I think... <laughs> I'd be
2: really interested to see how Cameron and De La Garza do right now with the national team. They're going to get their chance to be a, a part of the conversation over the next few weeks, and, and it's a big chance for them, certainly.
0: It is interesting. I'm still just a little bit nervous that we're going to lose George John to Greece, partly because of the reasons that we just mentioned, that suddenly the center back pool is, is relatively deep. I think George John is a tremendous talent. I hope the U.S. is able to cap tie him soon and hopefully see him in the, in the team moving forward. Um, Brent, do you have your next prediction?
2: Yeah, let's talk about the under 23s. There's qualifying coming up in a month and a half, and suddenly uh, a situation that wasn't looking great for the U.S. They hadn't even had a camp, they didn't have a coach with months left to go till the, the qualifying tournament, is looking a lot better. Um, they got a, a bit of a tough draw in the sense that their group is easy, but the semifinal match, which is the all important match that determines that ticket to London, will be a tough one, probably against Honduras or Panama, hopefully, now against Mexico. But I'm going to go ahead and make the prediction that this time around, for the first time in something like 20 years, both Mexico and the United States managed to qualify for the Olympic Games. I think that Mexico has had enough experience together to go ahead and win their group, topping Honduras and, and Panama, and I think that the U.S. should be able to see its way by one of those teams in the semifinal, although that, that semifinal matchup will probably be the most interesting game of the tournament.
0: I think that's fair. I think that's something that CONCACAF fans, supporters alike, would would really like to see. You know what I'd really like to see while we're
2: we're talking about this in the CONCACAF tournament? Why not just go ahead and make that final group round a three-game round robin? They already play a semifinal round and a final. If you just added one more game in there, then you could make it a lot fairer and have each – you could have a four-team group of the semifinalists. Each team plays the other team once and the top two in that table go on to the Olympics. And then you don't have this ridiculous one-off situation that doesn't really benefit the Confederation because the best teams don't always make it to the, to the tournaments, talking under 20 or talking under
0: 23. That's that's a good point. The problem with that is looking into the future and predicting CONCACAF senior legislations making good moves. That might be a little harsh, <laughs> but... <laughs> yeah, not going to happen. Yeah, definitely not. Um, my next prediction, I'll go ahead and go. I'm going to say that outside of the midfield, the most exciting position battle that we're going to see this year will be for backup goalkeeper. I just like the depth there. I think it'll be fun to watch guys uh, go for that spot. Guzan now playing kind of, a, yeah, I guess, injury time, I guess you'd say. Bill Hamid and uh, a bunch of other MLS guys, and we haven't even talked about guys playing in Norway, a couple keepers in Latin America. I just think the uh, American keeper spot is deep, and I'm really excited. Obviously, I'm not ready to kick Tim Howard out the door, but I'm excited to see what the future uh, holds for that position for the USMT.
1: Yeah, maybe we'll see a couple more goals from our US keepers, too. <laughs> I mean, wouldn't that be crazy? But, yeah, it, it's nice to see Brad Guzan actually starting to get some playing time in the Premier League. I always thought he was a great goalkeeper. And it, it was just a little bit unfortunate, the uh, play, the type of players he'd been playing behind. I think it was Brad Friedel before. Um uh, and I, I agree with you. I mean, there's a lot of quality goalkeepers, and it's a position that the
0: U.S. has always had some depth at. Brett, you think something else is going to be more exciting, or uh, yeah?
2: Well, I don't. I don't know what what battle. It'd be interesting to see who will take over the, the forward spots and and who can put in the goals. But that's a hot and cold thing. I think there's a, an interesting contrast between forwards and goalkeepers because the goalkeepers are the ones that stick around for years. In my opinion, Brad Friedel is still the best American goalkeeper out there. Um, he has been for, for the better part of two decades. And, you know, unfortunately, he retired from the national team about seven or eight years ago. But um, Timmy Howard's going to be the goalkeeper, at least through Brazil. And I think that's a good thing because I think that Sean John Johnson and Bill Hamid, are the next generation of great American goalkeepers, but I don't think they're really going to come into form for another three, four, five years. I do think, as long as we're making predictions, but this is a longer-term one, both of those guys will probably be overseas by the time Brazil rolls around in 2014, which might not be the best thing for their form. So it will be a good thing if Guzan could find a more permanent situation between now and then, um, it, it, just hoping that something doesn't, doesn't happen to Timmy Howard in the meantime.
0: All right. Good points all. Anthony, you're next Look into the future. Uh, this is this is
1: what I thought was going to happen this year, but uh, he kind of got injured. I mean, I, injured, I'm sorry. He's he's not really a Houston boy, not from Houston, but uh, we'll we'll call him a Houston boy. And that's Stuart Holden. I mean, I thought. Uh, I, I guess it was last year starting with Bolden. I mean, he was playing mm-hmm. exceptional. He was considered one of the better midfielders in the Premier League. And I think if he's healthy, I think he becomes the best <laughs> US player. I'm going to go out and say that much. You look at Bolton when when he was playing f- with them, and now I know they also had Sturridge last year on loan, but the team looks completely different. And I think it was, at some point, surprisingly for a creative player like him, was he led the Premier League in tackles, and I think he's just an all-around great midfielder that the U.S. needs, and I think
0: he'll be one of the best players if he comes back healthy. I think that's going to be the big question, though. Will he be able to get back to health? We've seen a lot of players with really promising careers take one injury that just nags them the rest of their career and not be able to get back to top form. I also think you've gone a little too far there by saying he'll be the best American player. I think that's a high mark being set right now by guys like Dempsey Donovan, even Timmy Howard, although maybe Brad Friedel. Brent, I'll give you some love there. Um, Brent, your thoughts?
2: I, I don't think that that's going too far. There was a point last spring when I would have said that Stuart Holden was the best American player. After a, a bunch of starts for Bolton, he was looking. He was, by some measures, one of the better players in the EPL. If that's the case, then how can he not be the best American player? Um, Dempsey'll give him a run for his money, mm-hmm. but it's a, it's certainly a, a matter of taste. The interesting thing about Holden, I think, is that if you if you think about his injuries, both of the and he's been injured for most of the last two years, but. Both of his injuries, the one that he suffered in that friendly against Holland and the one that he suffered against Manchester United last spring, were freak injuries. They weren't the matter of his knee giving out or, or something like that. They, were both, in, they both happened when, when he went in on, on sort of questionable tackles and, and got injured. So I think that's a promising thing for Holden, hopefully, in terms of coming back that he doesn't seem to be susceptible to having bad knees or something like that, but he's been unlucky. And hopefully that's something that as he ages and gets more experience, he'll be able to avoid going back uh, into the EPL and hopefully helping Bolton survive this year because they're still in a bit of trouble.
1: Yeah, I agree with you, Brent, because, I mean, you look at uh, uh, Pato from Milan and look at how many injuries he's been, and it's always been hamstring, groin, it's been all those uh, muscle injuries, and you're right to say, Holden, they've been kind of freak accidents that he had no control over, and hopefully he can come back and get back into form and start playing, because they haven't been nagging injuries, it's not like he plays for a couple weeks and then he's
0: hurt again for four to six weeks. Brent? One more look in the crystal ball, or perhaps two? I don't know how many you have. We didn't organize this that well. How many more are you looking at there? Yeah,
2: well, I I mean, I'll just go ahead and start making some things up. Okay. Yeah, great. (laughs) Because I think I did three, and that that used up all my crystal balls, but I can just think of one. I think that this year we're going to see a surprise player break into the the full national team. Um, And and I think that that might be a winger, because that's the type of player that can really – get going, or maybe a forward, you know, the, the type of guy that can suddenly get hot at his club team. It could be someone like Joe Zhao, if he can break into the first team at Hoffenheim. Um, he's certainly a, been a great prospect. It could be a guy like Josh Gatt. It could be another player like uh, like even like Mikkel who that hasn't gotten much of a chance with the full team. Um, but I think that the Olympics will, will be hopefully the, the conduit for, for those players to make it. And you really do have to take a, cl- a close look at that Olympic team because history bears out that four or five or six or seven of the guys who do well on the Olympic team end up being an important part of world cup qualifying the next year around and an important part of that world cup two years down the road. So I think it's important to take a close look at that team. Think of where the full national team is a little bit shallow and and maybe plug in a couple guys there.
0: I think that is wise. I'm going to just go ahead and and spit out my next prediction just because I kind of want, I'm getting antsy. Um, I'm going to say that MLS's deal with NBC and just the happening that this year is the Olympics, the team that you mentioned, is going to help it surpass the NHL in terms of the incredibly difficult-to-measure relevance with the American sports fan category. Basically what I'm saying is I think MLS is going to become, not necessarily by the TV numbers, which basically not by any important metric, but I think people are just going to start thinking of MLS as a major league this year. I definitely agree with you I think getting that uh, uh
1: national network having NBC you know want to make a deal with the MLS is huge I mean now every, everyone can watch uh MLS games and hopefully they'll see a game like Seattle and Portland play and that, that type of atmosphere you don't really see in other American sports other than college football that comes in mind for me. And I, I think uh, Americans like that kind of atmosphere. It, it's a little bit different. Uh, hopefully, because uh, most Americans say soccer is slow, maybe they'll see a high-scoring game and they'll start catching on. And And I agree. I think it might pass the NHL, because they don't have a network deal like that right now.
0: Any your next uh, looking to the crystal ball? Um, I'm...
1: I'm going to go a little bit further with that U23 team, and I'm going to say if they qualify, which I think that will be the harder part for them, I'm looking at uh, what could there be their projected attack, and I see Josie Altador, who's backed up by Terrence Boyd. I see Mick Disgrude, and I see Gat, and I see Shea, and I'm thinking these guys will make the semifinals in the Olympics. I mean, that attack just seems outstanding, and that's before you add in uh, the couple of uh, over- um, 23 players that they could add and i i think this team could go far
2: yeah i like that i like like that prediction you know the thing with the olympics is that it's actually a very diluted field if you look at who makes the olympics there are only four european teams uh spain is going to be one this year i guess great britain will be one but i'm not sure what we can expect from them um the competition isn't all that tremendous and the chances to go deep in the tournament are pretty good i think that team if it's reinforced in in the back line could do that um one guy that you would have hoped would be a reinforcement is Omar Gonzalez, who's sort of right in that age group for this, this team. But who knows? He doesn't look like he'd be ready by that time. But um, there are certainly several different candidates to, to reinforce that back line. And I think if they do it correctly, you know, if the U.S. takes advantage of those three overage spots and is able to get the releases from the German clubs for the Olympics, because that's never such a, an easy thing to do, then, then that team could go deep into the tournament, but qualifying is going to be the hard part. That one-off game uh, against Honduras or Panama likely is, is going to be a tough one.
0: This is a little bit off the topic, and we're already over the time, so I'm going to try and make it brief. But Brent, what is the best strategy, or who? What three players should the U.S. pick if that's if that's a prediction that you can make?
2: Yeah, I, I think the U.S. probably needs two two players in the center of of defense. So you know, you would think about Omar Gonzalez, depending on how he's doing. And even, even De La Garza wouldn't be a good guy, a bad guy to take alongside him since they're so well acquainted. Um, if you can't use those guys, maybe you could take a guy like Boca Negra if, if he's willing to do it. It's always good to have some veter, veteran leadership back there. And probably a holding midfielder um, because the guys that they've got right, right now are Moby Akugu, who's a, a rising star but maybe not the type of experience you want in that role. And next to him would be Alfredo Morales, who we really don't know too much about yet. I think from the deep pool of holy midfielders, you could do one of two things. Take a guy like Michael Bradley that you know is going to give you some glue back there, some bite and a little bit of offense. Or maybe you take a guy like Jose Francisco Torres, who can give you a little bit of distribution and really help with the distribution to that front line that you know is going to be electric to begin with. There's a lot of different ways to go. It could be some interesting choices.
0: All right. Well, as I mentioned, we are over time, so I'm going to kind of wrap it up. Um, any overarching predictions? Anyone have anything left that they want to throw out there? Anthony, Brent?
1: I'm all right. I, I think I got all my predictions. I, I, m- maybe one guy who I, I know Brent said it's kind of a hot, cold streak, and, you know, he, he plays for Dort, Dortmund, Terrence Boyd, so it's a little bit harder for him to get some playing time, but I think maybe if he goes on loan somewhere to a smaller German club, I think we s- see him play have a little bit more playing time with the U.S., team and possibly the, the
0: national team. Brent, any last thoughts?
2: Yeah, I just think that it's, you know all of these these pools are getting to the point where the depth where it's hard to make calls about specific players. Um, and I, that's where U.S. soccer has to be. And I think 2012 is kind of the year that it arrives there. When you look at the number of players that we have at all different levels um, to choose from, it's really a positive development.
0: A prosperous new year on the horizon, perhaps, for the U.S national team and its other youth teams and everything else of course a prosperous new guys to you new year to you guys Uh, Anthony and Brent hope you guys have a great 2012 and of course I will make a prediction that the USA 10 kids will be a great site to keep reading in 2012 thank you listener hope you have all the best in the new year as well and we'll talk to you throughout 2012 hopefully it's a prosperous one take care and thanks for listening